Welcome back to another episode of Engineering Money, the podcast where three full-time engineers give their two cents on the financial news of the week. I'm Tim, a infrastructure engineer from Indianapolis. I'm Ben, a civil engineer in Washington State. And I'm Joey, a food products engineer in Minneapolis. And last week we actually had a, a live episode, um, and I wasn't here for it. So I'm pretty Shame. excited to be back. Um, Glad to but, have you back, Tim. <laughs> yeah. But we had uh, some questions during that episode, and uh, it was actually about um, Japanification. Or, I mean, that that's really the, the blanket term that you can use for it. And it's... Uh, I. And I wasn't there. I had planned to talk about Japanification, but uh, here I guess I'll talk about it this week. Um, so just as some background, Japanification is the term that economists use to describe uh, Japan's nearly 30-year battle against deflation and anemic growth, um, which you know is categorized by extraordinary but ineffective monetary policy. Um, and so it, it kind of just propels bond yields lower and debt burdens higher. Um, but I think Joey um, talked about in the podcast last week that it just kind of makes monetary policy ineffective. And I think that's like the, the main thing behind it. Um, yeah, analysts have long been concerned that Europe um, is succumbing to a similar um, type of thing. Um, but... They've been hopeful that the U.S., with its better demographics, with a more dynamic economy and stronger post-crisis recoveries, um, will avoid that fate for, you know, hopefully a while. But so the issue is, I think Europe, do, they have negative rates right now, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Many yeah. There. So, yeah, this article that I was reading about it, um, her name is Lisa Chalette. She says that you can get addicted to low or negative rates. Um, and she's the chief investment officer at Morgan Stanley. Um, and that is very scary because Japan still hasn't gotten away from negative rates or low rates uh, for 30 years since their crash. And like, if you look at um, the Japan stock market, um, like after their crash, they still haven't reached the highs that they got to. Wow. 30 years yeah it's pretty like <laughs> wild and i mean i'm sure something like that won't happen here um but i don't know if we had a gigantic bubble maybe it could happen well and it doesn't um, necessarily need to just be the bubble in like stock market prices it because it, it's really the just the is deflation if suddenly we have an issue we get to deflation it's a difficult thing to get out of yeah exactly um but yeah so that's the you know the thing that's kind of scary oh no what if the u.s goes into japanification um how do we get out but then i found another article that kind of you know soothes the you know the fear about it at this firm that i was reading this article from they cautioned against trying to draw an parallels between Japan and the U.S. because one key difference is that um, inflation hasn't really been, uh, I mean, we um, 
the central bank has tried to keep uh, like constant inflation prices or inflation at like two percent or three percent. Um, but unlike Japan, where after their crash they experienced a few years of deflation, but largely economists think that full-blown Japanification isn't the right lens for the U.S. outlook. Um, but still, many still they believe that the U.S. has a mild case of the quote-unquote disease. Um, and is, but is, I, again, oh, what were you saying, Joey? Is is that mild case from what we've seen with coronavirus, or is that separate factors? <laughs> Actually, this this thing that I've been reading about it was uh, from before coronavirus. Okay. Um, so really, if the if it paints you any picture. People have been worried about this for a long time, so maybe that kind of makes feel a little bit better about it, that people have been worried about it for a while and it's not a new thing. But, um, I mean, some other things, investment in the U.S. has been steadier than in Japan, um, whereas, like, in Japan, the invest outside investment collapsed after its financial crisis. Um, and then also the U.S. population has been growing, which you guys also talked about last week. Um productivity needs to outpace inflation um but the u.s is still growing at a slowing pace but like japan is actually i think like their population has gone down in recent years maybe um i know they're at a place right now that there's like way more old people than young people yeah which is the opposite you see in growing populations yeah and um productivity growth um so, like, the economic output per unit of labor um, has been higher in the U.S. than in Japan. Although in the U.S. it's slowed in, you know, recent years, but it's still higher than in Japan. Well, that's nice. Um, but these same economists who say we don't have to worry about that mu- about it that much also say that um, they don't think the U.S. central bank will be much more effective um, in the future than Japan's has been. So, um, case in point, Jay Powell keeping uh, interest rates or the federal rate at zero, um, giving up free money for the next few years. Um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, we we don't slide into Japanification. Um, yeah, it's a little scary thing you say that that's from coronavirus because then coronavirus comes and we're already down at. You know, unless we go into negative rates or as low as we can go for that monetary easing. And then mm-hmm. the other thing is like coronavirus caused a demand shock. Everyone lost their jobs and is staying inside, so they're not buying stuff. If if companies start producing again faster than people get out to buy again, we're going to have prices go down. That's deflation. Yeah, that's very true. And yeah, that would go back to what, that would get rid of one of the main differences that the economist said was a reason we don't have to worry because we don't have deflation. But if we do, then maybe we really do have to worry. Um, but if Japanification is the unhappy coexistence of heavy stimulus and mediocre growth outcomes, um, then our coverage of the U.S. economy has frequently pointed out just that pattern. And that's a quote from the article. And I think that that's pretty true. Um, but actually, Ben had sent me something last week that showed that the stock market or the S&P 
uh, price had very closely followed the Fed balance sheet. Um, oh, yeah. So maybe that's a point against it. <laughs> but uh, as the Fed start to decrease their balance sheet, I guess we'll we'll see what happens there. Ben, do you know, did they continue to decrease their balance sheet last week? I haven't looked at it since last week, but the the infographic that Tim is uh, describing right now, it's in our Discord, um, in case you're not in there yet, you can uh, join the links in the description. Um, <clears throat> but basically what happened, um, I actually don't remember how long ago they, they I guess it was in mid-March when mm-hmm. everything was starting to close down and people were panicked and everything. Uh, Jay Powell came out and basically said, hey, don't fret, don't worry. We're going to lower interest rates and we're going to start buying up corporate debt. Um, which was a sigh of relief, I guess, kind of, because um, you know it made money more available for people. It, it didn't shock the system as much as it... Uh, as much as they wanted it to only because just like you guys were just saying rates are already so low if you lower something that's already low it's not going to cause that much difference but what yeah. did cause a difference is buying up corporate debt which allowed businesses to continue to remain liquid and stay afloat and when we talk um, about the money kind of, printer that's the buying of debt exactly it's <laughs> buying debt is the yes. printing of money and so as they were doing that through March and April, the S&P was climbing, as was the federal balance sheet, only because they're buying corporate debt and it's showing on their balance sheet. Um, however, in late May and through last week, they started offloading some of those positions in corporate debt, um, selling it somewhere else. They no longer want it on their balance sheet. And so they their balance sheet is has sort of leveled out here over the past few weeks. Um, I don't know if they've continued selling off or if they're staying steady, um, but basically the directional trends follow pretty closely between the S and P shooting back up after the initial drop off, as did the balance sheet, and then as the balance sheet has leveled out so has the markets and now we're sort of in a just a sideways market um and you know correlation doesn't always mean causation so it could just be a coincidence but yeah um, it is kind of interesting that it's happening yeah so that's pretty much all i have um was just about japanification my only actual uh relevant thing to the you know the market that we're in right now is the fear and greed index is at 50 after last week before last week it was at around 45 and now it's at 50 so remind me what is the scale it goes from zero which is extreme fear to 100 which is extreme greed so we're right in the middle so people are getting more greedy yeah but before last week it was in like the 60s or something so So it's just like the the fear is setting in i guess compared to those 60s Okay, and I I, I want to point out because we've been talking about that fear and kind of reasons to be fearful, I guess, with this threat of deflation. But like I said, if if we have this demand shock, can cause deflation. The flip side is 
that if suppose businesses don't recover as fast and there is still slowed down production but you still get people coming out and trying to buy things which could happen if you see people in states trying to reopen faster than businesses may be able to then you have more demand than supply and we're going to get inflation so it could, it could really go either way and inflation the, the, the fed will have that tool of raising interest rates to fight mm-hmm. yeah but um so ben what did you want to talk about this week okay gentlemen let's talk about bikes <laughs> bikes <laughs> okay <laughs> that's that's what i that's what i found and thought was interesting for the week um like bicycles so or got... harley davidson's <laughs> Oh, bicycles. Okay. The old-fashioned, no-gas, pure human-powered bicycle. Um, and there are three key players that we, we want to talk about here. Uh, Zwift, which is a private company uh, that produces, uh, like, cycling equipment. Ele- oh, uh, do they make, like, the electric bikes? Um, yeah, they make, yeah, electric bikes, um, just exercise equipment that you can have in your house or at a gym, I guess. I'm thinking about a different one. Zwift is also a cycling MMO. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you're right, Joey. I just Googled it. (laughs) You're, yeah, you're actually right. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about with Zwift. But the second player, second player we're bringing into play is Peloton. Yes. Uh, Super hyped up. Uh, the the cycling equipment that has your spin instructor on the little screen, um, and you know you buy it and just, you know you pay some amount of money uh, every month to get access to that television screen that has mm-hmm. a recording of a spin instructor, um, and then finally we have Mirror, which is a very similar business model model to Peloton. So the reason why I talk about all these things. Um, the overall environment right now people are at home don't have access to gyms more people are buying home equipment um if you look at peloton which is that middle company their stock year to date went from 30 dollars to almost 60 dollars now it's almost doubled uh went up 100 percent. their sales skyrocketed after quarantine I with people, yeah, um, and I think it's p- pretty fairly priced right now based on those sales um, targets. We'll see what Yahoo Finance says, Ben. I guess you're right. Yeah, but my unofficial, very uh, rookie opinion is that I think it's it's pretty much at its peak. Like the hype is over. We can't ride that wave anymore. It's um, the numbers are in. Um, Something that's occurring uh, actually yesterday, July 4th, normally right around now, it'd be the Tour de France. Oh, yeah. Ooh. The Tour de France was canceled for the very first time since World War II because of COVID. However, Zwift, this private cycling company, the massive multiplayer online thing, um... They are doing a virtual tour de France with professional cyclers. Wow. So it's hmm. it's it's a model where you can get a cycle 
that you can ride in your home, but it connects you to a digital world, a virtual world where you can actually cycle through places and see other people cycling. Um, so yeah, they're doing a tour de France. They started it yesterday. Lots of people tuning in to that. Um, and yeah, so, so lots of hype right now around cycling. Yep. Ben, um, Yahoo Finance says that they are overvalued Peloton, but they are bullish. Yes. So you're in the clear. I know. Yeah. Um, the last player that I haven't talked about yet was Mirror, a similar model to Peloton, um, big competitor, and Lululemon is going to be acquiring Mirror for five hundred million dollars. Nice. I am excited about that. Yeah, and Lululemon being the uh, high pH, is that what we call it? High yeah. pH, yeah, high pH indicator. Um. They're acquiring a different segment of the exercising uh, sort of sector industry, right? Because Lululemon makes all the exercise, mm-hmm. equi- the clothes. Now they're going to have a stake in um, the actual exercise equipment, and it well, has a digital aspect to it. Yeah, so Mirror is like, I just saw some articles of it. So it's like a smart mirror where your trainer can be like you know show up in the mirror and they can lead you through things right is that how it right. is yes. okay i think that's like such a good acquisition makes total sense yeah there was so there was an analyst from oppenheimer uh his name is brian nagel um and he, what he had to say about this acquisition is he compared it to um amazon's development of the alexa and the echo where now Lululemon will have a um, new way to get their customers to look at and purchase their apparel. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, or, you know, utilize that service. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all this in mind, Mirror, Peloton, uh, Zwift, which unfortunately, you know, you can't invest in because it's a private company right now. Um, but I think looking in the midterm, just because Lululemon's such a big, strong company, they have great leadership. They're doing great in the quarantine. They, they make smart plays. I think they could really do some damage to Peloton. Yeah. And Peloton's the one that had that weird commercial that got criticized a few months ago it wasn't that weird though i watched it <laughs> no it was just the latest like internet craze and then ryan reynolds did a thing on it that made it even more popular and to make fun of <laughs> so i could see myself uh doing some sort of like a like a short sale or something with it i think i'm just gonna buy lululemon yeah and I, I think buying Lululemon, you can never go wrong, A. And B, I totally agree. I feel like Peloton, it can't keep going up like this. It's just yeah. well, people are saying, oh, everyone has to exercise and stay home. Coronavirus, yeah. But this isn't going to last forever. People are going to get back outside. And paying monthly to ride a bike in your house just doesn't add up to me. Like, Which already I mean, costs, it's like a $3,000 bicycle. And then yeah, you got to pay to purchase, it. <laughs> And then it's like 30 bucks a month. Yeah, but you do have to realize they are in different 
like kind of segments one's biking and one's just like having a personal trainer in your house true so not not one-for-one competition there yeah but i would still rather put my money on lulu than piton yep agreed so that's what Um, i i wanted to talk about today yeah but ben speaking of um companies that are private that we wish were public Mm, have you heard any more yes snowflake i haven't heard anything it's i i want to hear something (laughs) yeah me too hopefully we hear something soon um but yeah joey i'm really excited for what you have to talk about all right i'm gonna talk about this week one of the uh quarantine periods uh favorite day trading stocks and that is genius brands international incorporated ticker gnus and they make children's cartoons and tim and i were just looking through (laughs) some of those and it's some pretty fire content (laughs) yes i'll say they have got the rainbow rangers llama llama space pop thomas edison's secret lab and warren buffett's secret millionaires club the one that i think is the most exciting though is uh superhero kindergarten which is was stan lee that was his like last project that he personally worked on before he died was superhero kindergarten and arnold schwarzenegger's in it yeah arnold schwarzenegger is like the host of the he's like the adult leader of the kindergarten superheroes and i was just blown away when joey showed or told me this because you hear genius brands and you're like oh they probably like i don't know they do marketing or they they actually manufacture stuff or (laughs) no they make cartoons for children they make cartoons for children and if i look at like their tenure history the the stock chart only goes back to 2014 um that's not when they were founded they were founded in 2006 and then they were founded as a different name and then became genius brands in 2011 but anyway since 2014 they've been on a you know a a rocky road they've had some volatility but generally trending down and then if we we look at 2020 here by may they were pretty pretty much all of 2020 from december to may they were hovering around 25 to 30 cents a share and just no real movement no real volume no one cared about oh my gosh wow that is so cheap and then all of the sudden in may they uh released this thing called the the cartoon channel spelled with a k and (laughs) started putting these videos on youtube mainly uh and then there was some talk about it getting like added to things like netflix and disney plus and they exploded (laughs) they went from that 25 cents up to a high of 11 dollars and 37 cents over the course of may just in that one month (laughs) and it's it's like my gosh (laughs) from that one good announcement and then the thing is they played on this so hard they the ceo was like constantly releasing little video updates to shareholders about how great things were going and i think you combine that with everyone stuck inside and just wanting to make some speculative day trades because they're bored out of their minds 
and this just got inflated like crazy. It of course crashed, uh, and then over the course of last month, June went back down to two dollars and sixteen cents. Just still know that's a ten times increase. So if you bought it in May and held it all the way through the rise and fall, you still made a thousand percent gain. And what's interesting is now, uh, tomorrow, July 6th, the CEO has a, I want to say the quote right, it is a exciting business opportunity that oh, he no. is going to be Ooh, reporting. We love those. We love those. <laughs> and uh, I think he announced that that would happen at the close of trading last week. So that would have been Thursday. And you uh, they shot up from $2.50 to almost $4. And that's just like in anticipation of this announcement. So I'm thinking... And then also the oh, last thing is just technicals. Technical indicators are looking really strong on this. Things like it's in wave three of the Elliott wave. It has on all time frames strong outlook from Recognia. It's actually like, even though it, it's all hyped up, it's not looking overbought or oversold. It's in a perfect position to kind of bounce any which way. And so um, it's going to be a wild ride next week. Yahoo Finance says they are overvalued. They are incredibly overvalued compared to they their They are bullish. <laughs> all right. They are short-term bullish. bullish, midterm, and long-term bullish. You see? <laughs> Uh, I think that absolutely we're going to see a lot of hype, and especially tomorrow before the announcement happens. I'm actually not sure when the announcement is going to be. I'm not sure if it will take place like after trading hours or before it. But if it takes place after or during trading hours, I am sure we're going to see a big fluctuation, probably a rise until that announcement. And then... Worst case, the announcement is like nothing, and then it just crashes back down. At best case, we see another spike, possibly even bigger than the last one. But I would be wary of this guy because Genius Brands is just like from fundamentals, it is way overvalued. It it doesn't turn a profit. It's uh, a little scary to say. Like, you can invest in Tesla not making a profit because you're like they are the future i don't know if uh <laughs> cartoons give me that same kind of optimism but joey they got warren buffett to do a show with them <laughs> so true it, it you should really look them up and just to watch some of those shows it's very entertaining um yeah joey and i were having a great <laughs> time before this just watching these oh my gosh but it's definitely going to be back into the um public eye on a trading front and and the one other thing i noticed is when i look up their videos on youtube the top videos are posted by this one guy that doesn't seem to be actually affiliated with the company but he just posted these videos on youtube as you know as people do yeah but he the description of the video that he posts just says click here to invest invest. on robin (laughs) hood Which tells you that the hype from investors, from day traders gaining all this money on it, is bigger than the hype of its videos themselves. Which actually have like 22 million views on them. Or 2.2 million views, I think it was. 
And like yeah. it's a post it's on YouTube because kids these days watch videos on YouTube. That's where they get their cartoons. And so you'd think if we're doing really well, then more kids would be watching their cartoons than investors watching their cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see the YouTube analytics on some of those videos. Absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. who actually watches them? Uh, that should be our homework. We just um, rip some of the videos and re-upload them, and then we can see the analytics, even though the parent company will get all the money. <laughs> so, totally watch Genius Brands, watch their stock, and watch their videos. That's that's all I have. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Well, um, I think that's it for this week. That's right. So, uh, I guess we will see you next week on Engineering Money. Thanks for staying tuned and uh, join our Discord. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Sleep good. <laughs>